Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Huddle. This is the Time Out Podcast. I am your co-host, Stone. Been dealing with a really windy, crazy week. But before we dive into that, you know, we got a jam-packed episode. Lots of craziness going on in the world of sports. And so before we dive in, we want to see how your week's been going, Rain. Hey, what's up, Tone? What's up, everybody? You know who it is. It's your boy, Rain. Busy, busy week so far. Enjoyed the three-day weekend. A lot of things to talk about. We have a jam-packed episode today, Tone, and I am so hyped when we talk about hoops. But first, we're going to talk about, you know, praise and blaze. We're going to talk a little bit of football. I already know I'm going to get blazed really hard this episode. I really was not looking oh, forward yeah. to this portion. But then we're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, Deshaun Watson, man. Where is he going to end up? Your boy. We'll see. We'll find out. And then we're going to talk about your boy, James Harden. What does this mean for the Brooklyn Nets? Is Kyrie coming back? Talk about that. And then we are going to end on a high note. And this is why I'm hyped is because we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors. And LA, LA. For those of you that watched last night, what a night. That's all I got to say. But first, praise and blaze. So for my praise this week, I'm going to have to go with my man, Robert Sala. And I know, I know, those of you know, I'm a Niners fan. Yeah, of course, Rain's going to praise him. But hear me out, man. Hear me out. So the reason why I want to give the praise to Robert Sala, as most of you know, if you don't, you've been living under a rock, but he is now the head coach of the New York Jets and Here's the reason why I'm praising him. Number one, despite all of the injuries this season, and I've been saying it episode after episode after episode, this man led the 49ers defense to a top five defense this year. I bet you Tone couldn't even name a player other than Fred Warner and Eric Armstead on the 49ers defense. And we all know what happened last year. You know, the Niners ended up second overall in 2019 eventually leading, you know, to the Super Bowl, but we'll leave it at that. And, you know, I think the most important thing and the reason why I'm really praising him is because he is the first Muslim head coach in the NFL. Uh, With everything that's going on in the world and, you know, with the NFL being the NFL, this is really a huge thing. Um, And, you know, best of luck to him uh, with the Jets. Probably going to see, you know, you know, another version of the Niners there. But, you know, just want to say, Praises to Robert Sala, and I'll leave it at that with a quote from Richard Sherman, who said that he is a great leader of men. So I'm going to miss him running up and down the stairs pregame, doing his you know, crazy things on the sideline. But, you know, best of luck with the Jets. Hopefully he can turn things around there and, you know, be a head coach for a long time in the NFL. So before I dive into my praise, I just want to let you know that I do know some other people on the Niners defense, whether it's Drake Green. Dre Greenlaw, your boy Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, you know, like, don't try to roast me like that. We're going to get to you in a minute. But so for my praise this week, we are going to continue to stay in the Bay Area, sort of. And so my praise this week is going to be the GOAT, the man from the Bay who I love to praise, and that is Tom Brady. Tom Terrific. And so... Tom Brady led his team to the NFC Championship, which is going to be coming up this weekend. And, you know, just want to kind of highlight some things that he did going 
into the playoffs. And one, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie, halfway, three quarters through the season, I was ready to write Tom Brady and the Bucks off. You know, I didn't think the offense was clicking the way that it should have. I didn't think the defense was stepping up the way they should have. But Tom Brady don't give a fuck about that shit when it comes to the end of the day. And all this motherfucker does is win games. So last six games, he is 6-0, and clearly. You know, he finished the regular season 4-0. Let me throw some stats at you for Rain, because you know you know me, Rain. I do love my stats. And so in that six-game span, Tom Brady has thrown 16 touchdowns, one interception. You know, and to kind of escalate on those stats, you know, he has thrown no interceptions in his last 368 pass attempts, only on the road. And he is going to face a really tough game this coming Sunday against the Packers in Lambeau field, but honestly can't really count out Tom Brady when it comes to the quote unquote weather situation that you're going to see at Lambeau. It's going to be cold. It could potentially be snowing. And you know, one thing that pretty that Tom Brady does is he shows up when he goes up against Mike Petton defenses. And for those of you who don't know, that is the defense coordinator for the Packers. And in his career, Tom Brady is eight and zero against those defenses and has thrown 15 touchdowns and two interceptions. And so, you know, just to continue the accolades for the goats, you know, he has more playoff wins than all but five teams in the entire national football league. And so I will continue to say that Tom Brady is the goat and, you know, he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Want to give him all the credit in the world for being from the Bay area. And that is my praise for this. Thanks stone. But for the record, we don't claim them in the Bay Area. So it's getting a little bit hot in here. You know what that means, folks. So I'm going to go ahead with my blaze. And for my blaze this week, I'm going to give it to the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Not only did they lose to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, but let's go ahead and, you know, let me dive into some stats for you, Tone. So let's talk about the other quarterback here, Drew Brees, who is probably going to retire at the end of the year. It's the end of an era. Uh, but he threw three picks in that game alone, which essentially set up the Saints defense, which is a really good defense to fail. If Tom Brady has the ball starting at the 30 at at your own 20, forget about it, bro. It's over. It's over. It's game over. And, you know, with Breeze, we see, we all know that he, he can no longer throw the deep ball, man. He just can't get the ball to anybody anymore. And speaking of getting the ball to anybody, I talked about Mike Thomas last week, right? Right, Tone? For all you fantasy players, we all remember this year for That's Mike Thomas. Yep. Do you, can you guess how many receiving yards that he had, Tone? I'm going to go out on a limb and say zero. That is correct. He had zero receiving yards, Tone. Zero receiving yards. One of the best wide receivers in the league. Can we blame it on his ankle? I don't know. I mean, he's going to have multiple surgeries in the offseason, but still, man, to just put up a performance like that by the New Orleans Saints offense is pathetic. A word that I like to use all the time. But, man, it's just another divisional round exit for the Saints. And that has seems to be the trend for the last, what, two to three years. And so my blaze is going to go to them. Again, end of an era. You know, Rain, that is a really great blaze for this week. But I got to raise you, man. And my blaze is going to be for yo. Cleveland Browns. And so coming into this week, Rain, you know, if we were 
running a football team, which obviously we do not. But if we were running a football team and we were going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, what are two things that you feel like we would have to do in order to win the game? Give me your first one. Hey, I said this last week. You got to keep Mahomes on the sidelines. You got to keep Mahomes on the sidelines. So let's let's think about, you know, controlling the clock, keeping Mahomes on the sidelines. And so in order to do that, that would be my number two thing is run the ball. You have a quote-unquote two-headed monster in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But when you're running the ball, you control the clock, you wear down that defense, and ultimately you keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. And so, Rain, I texted you on Sunday as well as the other people in our group text. And so I told y'all, y'all need to run the ball. But in the first half, your Cleveland Browns only put up 18 rushing yards. Is that bad? It's not good. It's not good. And so, you know, if we look at the stats at the end of the game, Y'all were basically, even in time of possession, basically ran the same amount of offensive plays. You held the Chiefs to two out of five in the red zone. If I told you that, would you feel like that team won the game? Yeah. Yeah, probably, but you didn't. And so that is why my blaze this week is going to be for your Cleveland Browns. You had a chance to win the game and ultimately go to the AFC Championship game and face Josh Allen in the bills, but you fucking failed. And so not only did you fail at running the ball in the first half and doing all the things that you needed to do to win the game, but you couldn't even beat Chad Henney. Okay. Chad Henney is at the tail end of his career. I bet most listeners don't even know where Chad Henney went to college at. Didn't even know he was still in the motherfucking league because I'm not going to lie to you before today. Or I'm sorry, before Sunday, I didn't know that that was the backup for the chiefs. I just, I still thought they had chase Daniel, but Hey, they got Chad Henney and that guy not only won the game for them, but won it in convincing fashion. Third and 14 with the game on the line, Henney runs for 13 yards. And instead of being like a conservative coach that I have been roasting the last couple weeks, the Chiefs go for it on fourth and inches and they seal the game. So not only am I going to low-key praise the Chiefs right now, but I just want to blaze the Browns even more. Rain, I applaud you for riding with the Browns all season long, but hey, the clock has struck midnight on your Cinderella season, and that is how the cookie crumbles. So with all the fireworks of the divisional round all in the rearview mirror, we look forward to championship weekend. Only a few days away, we have two of the best matchups on paper going into Sunday. And so first and foremost, we got Patrick Mahomes, hopefully going to be good by Sunday. And so him and the chiefs are going to be facing the bills. That is going to be the AFC championship game. And so rain, I want to know chiefs bills who you got. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and stick with my guns recently. The chiefs took out the Browns. So I'm going to have to go with, the Buffalo Bills, and yes, I know that the last time that they met, it, didn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good for the Bills, but I feel like 
the Bills are a completely different team. And at this point, they're one of the hottest teams uh, going into, um, you know, this champion, the conference championship round. And the main question mark tone is, you know, is Mahomes going to play? Because I feel right. like, you know, Josh Allen, he can beat Chad Henney. <laughs> and that, right. and that yeah. Bills defense that, you know, you praised last week, I'm pretty sure that, you know, they can take Henny away, even though they have Kelsey Hill and all the offensive weapons that they have. So I'm going to go ahead and choose Josh Allen and the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. And, you know, like I, I don't always like to agree with you, but I really do truly believe that the Buffalo Bills right now are a better team than the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's not only because of the Mahomes injury. You know, I obviously I hope he comes back 100% on Sunday, but coming off a concussion, you know, I, I just can't say that he's going to be 100%. You know, even Patrick Mahomes at 90%, I'd probably take him over Josh Allen 100%, but like, Knowing what I know about concussions and the way that things usually go when it comes to protocol, this and that, you know, I am also going to side with the Bills. And, you know, this, just like the NFC Championship, is a rematch of a regular season game. And, you know, as we know, the Chiefs beat the Bills early on in the season, but that was only week six. And the highlight of the Chiefs game was that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 161 yards on the ground and he didn't play last week and he is still questionable for this week. And so I will back you up rain and say, I got the bills, especially if Mahomes doesn't play, but even more if Clyde Edwards Hilaire doesn't, doesn't play. I just don't think that the chiefs are going to have that balance that they need in order to beat the bills. And, um, you know, like I said, I hope Mahomes comes back 100%, but I also told the number one Chiefs fan that I know, Kevin McCoy, I told him three weeks ago that the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, so I will be sticking to my guns. And I'm sorry, Kev, but that's, like I said earlier, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And so that's about it for the AFC Championship. And so it moves on to, like I said, another rematch. We got the Packers against the Bucks, And... Honestly, bro, the game early in the season, the Bucks manhandled the Packers, and I didn't see that coming at all. But it was a 38 to 10 route by the Bucks. Keep in mind, it was in Tampa. It was only week six. You know, Aaron Rodgers had a really shitty game, threw a couple picks, got sacked four times. And that's why the Bucks kind of, you know, control the game. And so moving into championship Sunday rain, Packers, Bucks, who you got? Everything that you just said would make me point to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tone, but I'm going to have to go with Aaron Rodgers. And like you said, man, when it comes time to playoff football in January, I don't know, this is going to be a battle of two legends here, but I feel like, the Packers right now are the better team. The Bucks defense, though, they played really well against the Saints last week. And another stat that I want to throw um, in that first meeting is that Ronald Jones, dude, he rushed for over 100 yards and had two touchdowns. And as a Niner fan, we know that the Packers defense is to run the damn ball on them. So if the Bucks can control the possession, the time game, have their fucking defense playing well. Maybe things will go their way, but I don't know, man. I just, just like you say that you can't count out Tom Brady, I also cannot count out Aaron Rodgers, dude. And this is going to be 
at Lambeau, which is crazy that because it's his first NFC Championship game at Lambeau. And I don't know, man. I just can't count out Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau in January unless he, if he was playing the Niners. All your Niners talk aside, man, you know, I have been saying for countless episodes that the number one team that I trust in the NFC are those Packers. And so I'm going to continue writing it. I know I made a lot of really good points to, you know, pick Tom Brady at this juncture, but I am just not ready to crown that team. You know, I think Tom Brady can play in the snow. You know, I think he is a different beast when it comes to January, but the Bucks as a team, I don't think they're cut out for this, man. You know, I think that Leonard Fournette is going to be a dud on Sunday. You know, you pointed out Ronald Jones being the highlight of one of the reasons why they won in week six, and he is questionable for Sunday as well. And, you know, even if he does play Sunday, he's not going to be 100%. And one one X factor that I have, I mean, it's probably not a real X factor at this point, is Devontae fucking Adams, man. Hey, area. Tell me about the best receiver in the NFL right now. You know, he went up against probably one of probably top five cornerbacks in the league in Jalen Ramsey. What he put up on him last week, nine catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. And so like, you know, the six, six yards are probably like, oh man, you know, he only put up that much, but the nine catches when you're getting blanketed by damn near the best cornerback in the league, that really shows you what kind of receiver that you are is to create that much separation, you know, in those one-on-one battles. And so I'm going to go with the Packers, man. And I think that out of these matchups, I think Packers bills would probably be the best Super Bowl for us to watch, you know, and I think you probably agree with me when it comes to that. And so I've been riding them all year, man. And I just want to say, I hope that the Packers really prove me right because I was four and oh last week in my predictions. And so you heard it here first, here first y'all four and oh last week, hoping to be two and no this week. You someone's going to throw that in, but you know, just like we did last week, appreciate y'all for answering the polls. Hopefully y'all can be two for two next week. Uh, we'll let y'all know the results, but the next thing that I wanted to dive into tone. So there's something else that's going on in the NFL. That's really catching headlines nowadays. And that is Deshaun Watson. It seems that he is unhappy in Houston, RIP Houston sports. Sheesh. Um, but, you know, there's talks that, you know, he wants out, Tone. So let's talk about it. You know, where do you think Deshaun Watson should go? Man, you know, like, like, like you just said, man, RIP to Houston sports, you know, not just losing your best, your best people like in all of your major sports teams. Even today, you know, baseball talk, George Springer leaving the Astros going to the Blue Jays in Toronto. And so blame it know. on the Astros, bro. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause they're the ones that started this thing with the whole cheating shit. And so this is what happens, man. Yeah. And you know, you, you bring up a great point, but in my personal opinion, I think there are two places where I think Deshaun Watson would go. And I know you were going to say one that I'm definitely going to stay totally away from, but there are two places where I could see him really thriving. Okay. The first one, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers. Okay. Teddy Bridgewater, injury prone. I love Teddy, man. He's a gamer. You know, he is that guy. But I think Deshaun Watson would love to go back and play some football in Carolina, you know, 
Clemson, a South Carolina team. Why not just go up to North Carolina and, you know, control that offense? You have the best running back in the league in CMC. You're going to have a top 15 pick in this draft where you can get multiple playmakers. Their offensive line is not that bad when it comes down to it, but they have weapons. You know, Samuel, Robbie Anderson, you know, like I said already, CMC. Why wouldn't you want to go play with the best running back in the entire league? And so that is going to be my first stop for him. My second stop would be the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have all these assets and they have been freaking killing the Texans in trades these last two seasons. And so... Why not kill him one more time? Hey, give me Deshaun Watson for the number three overall pick, and you know, I'll give you I'll give you your second round pick back this year. You know, and you know what? Hey, I'll throw in Tua for you, someone who has not proven to be a winner in this league, and someone who Brian Flores continually does not have any faith in. You know, I think number one is going to be the Carolina Panthers, and number two would be the Miami Dolphins, and I would love to see Deshaun Watson just number one. Just get a change of scenery, man. You deserve it after these years of put literally putting your heart and soul into this team. Not like some other Houston superstar who we will discuss in a little bit. <laughs> I really do believe that Deshaun Watson deserves a lot better than he is getting right now. And so those would be my two trade destinations for him. And so obviously, Rain, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to go with this, but please lay it on the viewers right now. I like that zone. Carolina and the Dolphins. That's, that's solid. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, he does des- deserve a change of scenery. And, you know, if he's going to go to another team, Tone, he wants to win, right? And I think the team that gives him the best chance to win is going to be the Niners. And the reason why is because can you imagine him in Shanahan's system? Can you imagine okay. him with a run game in Shanahan's system? I believe that I believe in my heart that this guy will be an MVP candidate, probably a top three quarterback. You put him in Shanahan's system. And also behind, I just said earlier that the Niners, you know, despite all the injuries this year on the defensive side of the ball, they were a top five defense, right? And so him having a great defense, him having a great offense, I think it's just the perfect situation. Um, there's been some talks that, you know, the Niners would probably have to get rid of, uh, you know, Bosa, Garoppolo, and, and the first-round pick, 12 overall. And to be honest with you, Tone, I probably would do it. I probably would do it. Uh, the quarterback is the most important position in football. But if you have the chance to get somebody like this, this type of talent, I'm sorry, man. Like, you have to go ahead and get them, right? If, if Jimmy G made that throw in the Super Bowl, we would be having a completely different conversation this year. And so I know Deshaun Watson can make that throw, Tone. And he can, like you said, he's put the team on his back for several years without even having a really good team. And honestly, I wish that Bill O'Brien was still with the Texans because we probably could get J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson for fucking two second-round picks. But that's why I think that he should end up as a Niner, and honestly, we should just throw the kitchen sink. Yeah, man, you know, that that is one destination where I hope he does not go is to the Niners because I don't want to hear your own Niner fans talk about that. But, you know, as a football fan, you know, putting my Cowboys bias aside, that's got to be a very great destination for Deshaun if he is really looking to, you know, accelerate his career and be a winner, you know, 
Not to say the Niners have really won anything as of late, but like you said, man, throw the kitchen sink at it if, if you're gonna get a if you're gonna get a transitional talent like this guy. And so I, I really love the points that you made. And so I wish you all the luck, you know. But when it comes to superstars potentially or already leaving Houston, there has already been one this week, and that is my man. James Harden cried his way out of Houston, not only on Instagram, but he also (laughs) cried in a news conference after they got shellacked by the Lakers. And then what do you know? He gets traded the next day and gets traded to the place that this crybaby wanted to go. If it was me, I would have traded his motherfucking ass to, I don't know the Knicks or somewhere really shitty, but no, he gets to go to Brooklyn. And so that is going to be our topic of conversation right now. So James Harden is now a Brooklyn net. Okay. So what are some of your thoughts on this trade? You know, but before we dive into the other shit. Okay. So let's just from a, from a basketball standpoint, right? Let's just talk about it like that. You have KD, you Mm -hmm. have Kyrie. If he ever comes back, let's assume that he's going to come back. He'll be back. And then you have James Harden all on the same team. Forming this new big three, I know that all of them need the ball in their hands, but all the drama off the court stuff aside, just purely hoops we're talking about here, Tone. Right. The Nets won, man. The Nets won in this trade, and they are now even a more legitimate championship contender in my eyes than they were before. You know, with this new big three, you put them all together in the East, man. And, you know, just, just a small sample size that we've seen just with Harden and KD, like Harden, Harden is a crazy offensive talent, man. And I think, you know, they gave up Karis LeVert. They gave up Jared Allen, some young pieces uh, for their depth, but man, they, they are in win now mode, man. They are in win now mode. And I think that, you know, if I was a Lakers fan, I'd be shivering right now because Again, as I mentioned, they are a legitimate threat. And when you put all of them three together and they got their minds right and they're just hooping, watch out. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up some really good points. And so, you know, I, as a basketball fan, this shit looks really cool. You know, just like having the potential of three of the top 10 players in the NBA. You know, it's it's not like when the Warriors had KD and, you know, you just get to add him into how great of an offense it already is. But having Durant and Harden in these last couple of games just really shows the dynamic of their ability as scorers, you know, and like just having those two, just they could both dribble the ball for 10 seconds and there's still going to be four seconds left on the shot clock. But, you know, at that juncture, two of the best scorers that this league has probably ever seen, they're going to find a way to put the ball into the hoop, you know, and then you add Kyrie into the mix. And so, you know, a lot of the talking heads on the Spanish still want to want to say, Oh, you know, I don't know if these three are going to be able to mold on the court because there's only one basketball. I know that Kevin Durant doesn't need the ball in his hands. Okay. I know that James Harden now is looking to be more of a passer, a facilitator. He's almost had double-digit assists in his first two games as a Brooklyn Net. And that's not to mention Kyrie, who's down, who's damn near one of the best passers in the entire 
National Basketball Association. So I think that the sky is the limit for this team. And it really, it, I'm, I'm happy for KD, man. You know, I, he's had a fucking great start to the season, averaging over 30 points a game, coming off an Achilles injury, and then getting another score to kind of, you know, ease that load. And, you know, going down the stretch, shit, you don't have to play KD. You know, you could you could let him get a little bit of quote unquote load management, you know, even for all three of these players. Yeah. You know, I think that's what Kyrie's kind of doing right now. You know, I think he's kind of, you know, he's got a lot of shit dealing with off the court, but you know, he doesn't have to come back right now because the Nets are just fine. They have James Harden, who's probably one of the best scorers that we've seen in our lifetime. You know, although it's kind of boring to watch him dribble the ball 117 times, but <laughs> You know, he finds a way to put the ball in the hoop, you know, and KD is my favorite basketball player and he is literally a walking bucket. He can, he can score from the three. He could push you up. He could hit that mid range, you know? And so I think that Steve Nash, who is the Brooklyn coach has, you know, all, all the talent in the world for him to do. And so, yeah, I, I've never been the type to want to trade away all my assets or mortgage my future, but they are literally in win now mode. Right. And so if you win the title now or even next season or if shit, you could potentially go back to back, fuck your fucking draft picks. You know, it's going to be the 31st pick in the draft. So who fucking cares? Right. You know, and I think, you know, kind of going back to it, that's kind of what the Warriors did. They're like, fuck it. We're just going to, you know, go all in right now. And that's what they did. And so that's what the Nets are doing right now. And hey, more power to them. Yeah. I would say, um, the other players that have benefited or that should be super happy right now is number one, DeAndre Jordan. And the other oh, is hell yeah. my man, Joe Harris, because for the DeAndre Jordan, just run that pick and roll with James Harden. All he has to do is go up and get it, bro. And, you know, that's essentially what made Clint Capella's career. Shout out to you, Mods. But, you know, DeAndre Jordan now doesn't have to worry about Jared Allen coming in, backing him up. And, you know, he can soak up all that time and just fucking dunk it on people. And then you got Joe Harris probably one of the best shooters in the league. Look at the game against the Bucks yesterday. Dropped over 20, and Kyrie's not yeah. even there. So uh, we're going to see these two probably thrive playing around these two superstars. And then when Kyrie comes back, man, it's just, I don't know, it's just scary, dude. It's just crazy to me that the NBA allowed James Harden to go to the Nets. Last season, they let AD go to the Lakers. Even a couple of seasons ago, they let KD come to the Warriors. But almost a decade ago, they didn't let Chris Paul play with Kobe Bryant because they knew that was going to be a crazy good team, you know? And so to see the NBA kind of evolve to what it is now with all these quote unquote super teams, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy at this juncture, but you know, super teams aside, there is one team that beat one of those super teams. And that was last night, man. You know, the dubs ended up being the Lakers and, I'm not going to lie, bro. I, I didn't think the, the Warriors had any chance last night. You know, but what are some of your thoughts on the, on the game? I was just like you, Tone. I texted all my Laker friends and said, y'all better beat us by 20 plus tonight or y'all trash. And, yeah, and to my surprise and a lot of people's surprise, the Warriors pulled it out and in spectacular comeback fashion. And the funny thing was, who else did they do this to, Tone? They did this to the Clippers. And I actually had some Laker fans reach out and be like, yeah, 
do that to the Clippers. And guess what? The same thing happened to y'all. And so for me, I'm happy to talk about this with you, Tone, because a couple of th- a couple of standouts in the game that I noticed yesterday is number one, Kelly Oubre finally remembered how to play basketball, bro. This guy <laughs> was all over the place. Probably his best outing as a warrior, right? I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. not, not only his, his offense, but those, you know, he's just being a pesk on defense, dude. And he had, he had some yeah. turnovers. It was, it was really nice to see him. It was really nice to see him kind of picking up LeBron, like, you know, full court or like whoever he was on, he was on him like, you know, right when they got the ball, you know, yeah. and he was in their face on defense. And um, I really like that you brought up Kelly Oubre because, you know, that was definitely his best game as a warrior. You know, it wasn't even about just the points, but just like you said, he remembered how to play basketball. And that, and that's probably the funniest thing that you said. Yeah. And also Kerr kind of adjusting the rotation. He put Oubre with the second unit instead of finally, finally. And speaking of the, speaking of the second unit tone, I mean, come on, man, we, we gave love to two second unit players last week. And let me just continue on that with my man, Eric Pascal, man, he came in 19 points, 73% field goal percentage in how many minutes tone 19 19, minutes. And here's a stat that I love the most is that he scored or he was tied for the most points in the fourth quarter with who tone. Steph Curry, Curry, baby. And, you know, and that just says, you know, him coming in and looking at Trez like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to eat. Just taking it to him. Marcus, see you later, baby. And, you know, just the second unit brought us back in the game, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Should we keep the starting unit the same? Should we switch things up? Or because I feel like, man, the the, the second unit has been playing a lot, a lot better than the starters. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the second unit has definitely had some bright, some bright points, but you know, I think you, you got to keep Wiseman starting. You know, he's, he's going through some growing pains, but shit, man, he's basically fresh out of high school. You know, like we, we, we didn't expect him to be a fucking 30 and 20 every night, you know, like he's going to evolve into that. But I really think that we should continue to keep the starting five the way it is. But just like you alluded to, I think that Kirk kind of found something when it comes to this rotation, not only EP coming as the small big off the bench, but having Ubre play with the second unit so he can kind of, can you know, get some offense going for himself, you know, and I can't believe that Andrew Wiggins figured out how to play defense at this juncture in his career, you know. Even when he was in Kansas, he was only a scorer. He was he was not known for playing defense. You know, he was drafted number one overall, and it's not like they were like, "Oh man, I can't wait to see how this guy is going to be on the defensive end of the ball." But no, he they expected him to put up twenty to thirty every night, and then who fucking cares? But you come to the Bay, you got to remember, you got to be a two way player. And I think, you know, they they picked up Kelly Oubre to quote unquote be the you know the guy to insert for Clay. You know, but one thing that I've been really impressed with is how they've kind of got Andrew Wiggins to step up on defense. And, you know, I hope that he continues to play that good D pause, but you said before the season started that he's going to be an all-star and shit. If he continues to play this defense, I don't see why not, man. And, you know, this just made me think of a, another stat I want to throw at you tone. So speaking of Wiggins and his defense, so check this out already so far with the Warriors, he has had 38 blocks already. Right. And we're only, what, 13, 14 games in the most number of blocks in a season that he had with the Timberwolves was 50. 
So that Damn. just that just tells you that yes, this man is flying around on the defensive end, and you're right, Tone. I think the thing is like when he's right on defense, bro, he made three straight threes last night that brought us back into the game. And when he is locked in defensively, his offense is just, just picks up right after it. So when he's having a good defensive game, he's probably also having a great offensive game as well. And just to see him, you know, finding his stride now. And of course, right. Going into the season, everyone's caught on him because he sucked and this is his history, but Hey, in Myers, we trust, baby. There's something that the front office knows that we don't know, and now they're tapping into that defense. And that was one of the key areas of focus for him, like Steve Kerr has said all along uh, during training camp and the offseason. And, yeah, man, hopefully yeah. hopefully he's an all-star. Yeah, dude. I, I, at this point of the season right now, I would say I am the most surprised with Andrew Wiggins' game. You know, like, I know you, you like to talk about EP and, you know, that, that was my guy last year. I told you, like, I like when we drafted him, I let you know, like, hey, this is going to be that type of player. And, like, so that's not that much of a surprise to me, especially that, you know, he was all rookie team last year. And so looking at Andrew Wiggins, I am just pleasantly surprised with how he has been playing for, for our team because I, I didn't think that this is the type of player that we were going to see. You know, I expected him to be how Kelly Oubre was in the beginning of the season, all season long. You know, I didn't think we'd ever, ever have to talk about anything good when it comes to Wiggins. And so I want to shout that guy out. You know, that's that, that's that's pretty awesome at, at this point in the season. You know, I know the Warriors kind of did have a long week so far. You know, they, they only went one or two, but yeah, it, I don't care if we don't win the entire thing this whole year. But as long as we beat L.A., it's a great day in the Bay. Beat L.A., baby. Like I've already said, it's, it's really great to beat L.A. And, you know, I know I've had a pretty crazy week when it comes to sports, but I just want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. I know uh got a lot of things to look forward to. It is Championship Sunday coming up in a few weeks. And then right after that, we got the Super Bowl and the Warriors beat the Lakers. I know I just want to continue to... Rub it into all of the LA fans, you know, whether you're a Clippers fan or a Laker fan, the Dubs beat you at least once this year. And so, in a quote unquote transitional season for the Dubs, we're beating these high quality teams. I just want to shout, shout y'all out for once. And so, Rain, you know, thank you for tuning in this week. I appreciate you coming out. And um, yeah, man, I hope that we can continue this winning streak with the Dubs. I know, uh, I know you're looking forward to it too, man, right? Hell yeah, Tom. Let, let's keep this up. I want to see more, you know, Curry draining threes over big man, just like he did on AD last night. And, you know, as always for everybody, please feel free to follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars and feel free to leave us a review. Um, we're going to set up a poll this weekend on IG. So go ahead and continue to vote. Appreciate y'all for voting. And like, like I always say, if there's anything that you want me and Tone to talk about. We're game for it. So hit us up on IG. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And we'll definitely, definitely put a spot for it in the next episode. So with that, we'll see you on the other side.